Welcome to episode number 49 of Corner of Hunter and George, Peterborough's art and cultural podcast. Today we go beyond Peterborough Nogojumanong and head towards Halliburton. Control Art Delete is an arts collective in Halliburton, now about to put on their premier performance and Canada's premier performance of Cherubs from British playwright Toby McShane. A black comedy, somewhere between Beetlejuice and Black Ladder. It plays on both March 31st at 7.30 and April Fool's at 2 p.m. at the Northern Lights Performing Arts Pavilion in Halliburton. Tickets are available on Inventbrite or at the door. We discuss Cherubs, Control, Art, Delete with uh, production manager Amy Leese. Her own work as an actress, and we drive out to Halliburton and enjoy. And I hope you enjoy this discussion as well. Plus, also, Control Art deletes purpose of trying to find a younger audience for the theater. Perhaps the main challenge facing theater these days. I find that quite interesting. So I hope you enjoy. for joining me of course thanks for having me how are you good good not too bad uh yeah a uh, little tired just working a bit late last night but uh maureen at the moment yeah yep no the feeling yeah. we were at the theater till about 11 last night <laughs> right <laughs> right yes um yeah so you're you're this definitely is a busy week for you obviously uh, yeah so yeah. Yep. Dress rehearsal tonight. Uh, well, in invited dress rehearsal, we've got a couple of photographers there, and then opening tomorrow. So it's exciting. Right. right. Um. Well, I'll, I'll start out. Yeah, this this will seem maybe a bit odd to start off with, but I think it it often says a lot about a person. Uh, I, I think you've mentioned before that you you used to, or you may still have a cat called Allie. Do you, do you still have a cat called Allie? She's right there. Okay. <laughs> Allison, come here. Ooh. Come here. <laughs> this is Allie. She's a good girl. She's um, a little bit pissed off with us right now, actually, because myself and my godfather uh, are her, her two people, and we're both at the theater all the time, and ah. she's alone. So she's a little she's a little annoyed, but she's staying pretty close because I'm home. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Um. And uh, I know. Is there any? She she's, certainly has a nice uh, nice different mix of colors there. Do you? Is there anything like sort of a special characteristics you could say about her? Allie, she's she uh, is a goofball. So mm-hmm. we. Yeah, her sister is here as well. She's my godmom's cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, we adopted both of them as adults. Um, they belong to an elderly lady previously. But they are litter mates. They look identical. But we joke that Cora, the other cat, is is the princess. And then Allie is the court jester. 
Mm. She loves to talk. She gets into everything. She's very smart. She's too smart for her own good. Uh, but she's very goofy, very playful, and she likes to have the last word. She has full conversations with us. Okay, right. right. <laughs> so it's just kind of an independent character, you'd say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big mm-hmm. personality, very chatty. The vet's always surprised by how much she talks. <laughs> right. Well, um, I guess, like, when I first saw this about Control-Alt-Delete, it's quite... Uh, magnificent to see but uh i guess i'm kind of curious like what is the where is the genesis of this come from how did this come to be and like in its early stages yeah so control art delete it's a group of young local artists within halliburton county so mm-hmm. all of us have worked at the various theater companies throughout halliburton there's uh, there's other theater happening here and there's great companies that we all owe a lot to but the big thing with the existing theater companies here is they serve uh, a specific audience that audience is either families with young kids or it's for seniors, so like post-retirees, and that's the choice of plays, that's the that's the content that's being put out there. But there's not a lot out there for people that have graduated high school and aren't retirees, and that's a huge group of people. So that was the big uh, impulse behind starting our own company, and it's to do specifically contemporary theatre geared towards young working-age adults. So we say between 20 and 40, but really we just mean post high school, before retirement, that mm-hmm. want to build and put down roots here and do stuff that interests them. Um, yeah, that's so, That's I find that interesting because like theater in some, in some spots you could argue is kind of, uh, has some dangers of being maybe a little bit like uh, classical music. I think it's quoted somewhere. I think that article is done in a uh, Minden newspaper. It's quite, quite well done is like uh you know it's something that maybe only our grandparents will end up liking kind of thing it's getting exactly. yeah and, and and um so i i think that's you know that's a great idea uh so what can you say about uh, this weekend Carabs is about as new as you can possibly get uh i was in the original workshop mm-hmm. cast in the uk so it was written during the pandemic 2020 2021 they were workshopping it in england and we have the very first Canadian production, and not just the first Canadian production, but the first live on stage production, because it's a pandemic piece. It's been done on Zoom. It's been done as uh, as an animated like short film. So this is the first time with actual bodies doing it in a room with uh, other humans, not over Zoom. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dark comedy. It's, uh, I always compare it as like a little bit Beetlejuice, a little bit Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, sort of in that realm. But it's dark comedy, very much geared towards young people, young adults, um, a little bit edgier than what you'll usually see in summer theaters, that kind of thing. Is there a certain reason you pick that? Is it because you think it fits kind of like the times we're in or it fits the age group you're talking about or a number of different reasons? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's one. It's very contemporary. We really wanted to go specifically for new works and and pushing that area, but mm-hmm. also it ties in nicely with um, like Gen Z and millennials coming of age. And there's not a lot out there for them. The show is really about the end of the world. The decisions you make at the very end of the world. Everything's crashing down on these two main characters, 
And what do you do (laughs) when the, the old systems are not working for you? And that's your choice. You can either try to fit in the systems that have worked for previous generations, or you can say, I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's a lot of what that show is specifically about. So it's told through the, through the, through a fantasy world, like within angels and biblically accurate angels, all of that. But that's really what it's about is it's a young generation going, these systems don't work for me. This is like end of the world end stage capitalism. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to try to fit. Hmm. And and who is who is the playwright of this again? I, I, it's mentioned, but I've kind of yeah. Uh, his name's Toby McShane. He mm-hmm. is an English writer. He's he's mm-hmm. from England. He's based out of Switzerland now, though. He's an English teacher, right? Uh, so he does a lot of writing for film, especially. He does some theater stuff as well. So he's he's very excited that we're producing it. He's been so hands on with it too. Mm. Uh, he's done a really good rewrite of the draft. So. The character that I'm playing in it, I originated in the English cast, uh, but with the rewrites he's done to bring it into a to a live action, live theater piece, my character ends up very differently than she did in the original draft. So that's been fun as well. Um, now back to sort of control art delete. So your production manager, um, it how is uh. I guess how is that uh how is that role sort of maybe con does it had to bring out sort of like different skills than acting itself that you've had that you've went since you've taken this on? Yeah. So my my background, I've worked in stage management, I've worked in production design, uh I've mm-hmm. worked in communications. Like you know, when you when you work in the arts you wear about fifty different hats anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's something that it, it's just kind of bringing all of my skill sets from the various jobs I've had over the years together. Uh, it's been a lot. I, I like doing some of the production design stuff as well, because when you're an actor and you come home from a day of work, you're like, I pretended so hard today. I did such a good job making believe. Whereas when you're doing production design stuff, you can come home and you're like, yeah, I built a door. You can see it. You can physically touch the thing right. that I built today. So I, I enjoy that aspect of it as well. Um, and I have a decent administrative brain. So it mm. uh, it takes care of the side of me that is not satisfied <clears throat> by pretend all day. <laughs> right. Uh, and when you're, you're performing at Northern Lights, uh, Northern Light Performing Arts Pavilion, is that like somewhere you see is kind of like a natural fit for not just this show, but maybe things you do in the future as well? Yeah, so within Halliburton, it's really the only existing specific theater space at this point. So there's other <coughs> venues that are interesting to work at. Um, there's bars that have uh, a real support for the arts and work out well for concert type pieces. Um, so there's a few other locations like that. But the Northern Lights is the only space that has, you know, the full tech booth and lighting grid and everything like that. Hmm. Uh it's an interesting space. It's it's shared with the high school. So mm. the high school kids get to use it as their theater, but essentially every community group uses it for their productions. Okay. There's and approximately how many seats is it? Uh, 26. 26. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah 226. So 
like, like we're saying, the, the intention is appeal to like uh, 18 to 40 or at least 18 before you retire. Um, and is this um, the, the idea that you were saying about like, uh, you know, wanting to appeal to this younger audience? Is that something sort of you came together with ideas together with like Tim Nicholson and other people? Or is it something you sort of thought of on your own and presented? It's a group effort. Uh, so the the core team, Tim Nicholson is our mentor. Uh, he is older than the rest of us. He's an experienced actor, experienced producer, because um, that's a big part of it as well, is that the group of us that got together and wanted to do this, we have a lot of acting experience, we have administrative experience, but we don't necessarily have production experience or like per, like producing, executive producing experience. Mm-hmm. He's been mentoring, but uh, and he's he's directing the show. The rest of us are uh, pushing forward the new ideas, um, brainstorming what shows we want to do next. Uh, that world, the creative world, is held by the the young people in the group. And as Tim puts it, he will see success as the day that we kick him out. <laughs> he's like, okay. that's that's his goal. Is he wants to make himself irrelevant to it? He's like, I want I want to be put put out to pasture in like two years i want you guys to just completely run it and know everything and not need me so that's that's the goal there for now we love having him and he's uh he's wonderful to work with he's done a really great job directing right yeah i was gonna say he's director of this show so he can't just do that just yet but uh is this um yeah for somewhere like halliburton that's like quite uh dependent on its summer tourism and things like that and yet i think in general i think it's safe for me to say is had kind of like an older audience in general, like, cause that's often what you have in your cottage industry. Um, do you like is, but yet you've still put this together. Do you, uh, right now have like, um, I know it's maybe hard to be, think beyond this weekend, but do you have like kind of like future plans at the moment for control art delete, like for this, like for 2023? We do. Uh, so we're hoping to run a couple of workshops. So one of the, other needs that we see in the community is that once you're past high school age, if you want to learn acting skills, there's not really any venue to do that. So we want to run like some scene study courses as well. So for people that maybe have always wanted to try acting, but are nervous about putting their toes in the water and doing a full play, we want to do like really the basic building blocks of how do you break down a scene? What, what do you do with the script, the technical skills of that? Because it is, it's an art, but it's very technical. There's ways of teaching yourself to do it. It's like dance. It's all, all muscles. So we want to run workshops like that and improv, that kind of thing. So that there's some plans for that over the summer. And then we'll do uh, additional shows following, following that. We don't plan to run shows in the summer. There's other theater companies that are using the um, the Northern Lights Pavilion at that point. And our goal is not to compete with the other theaters in town. Our our thought is that more theater is better. So mm-hmm. we want to exist in harmony with the groups that are already here. It's a small town and it's a delicate ecosystem. So uh, work alongside the theaters that already exist, support them as much as we can. And then when they aren't performing, we'll perform. Right, right. And you've, am I correct in saying you've worked with some of these other theaters in oh, yeah. town before yourself, looking at your past resume, Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. been working with uh, Highland Summer Festival, for example. They uh, nice. that was my first real job, 
and I was in high school when I started working for them and they're wonderful. Uh, I owe so much to them and yeah, they're, they're great. They're absolutely great. So they, they have the Northern Lights Pavilion for the summer followed by Highlands Opera Studio, who I also work with. Uh, so they're, they're, they're covered June to August and then we kind of come back in, in the fall type of deal. Okay. And is it, the part about the Highland Summer Festival, is that similar for Tim Nicholson as well? Like he has a long past with them as well? Everybody within this company has worked with um, Summer Festival, with uh, Canoe FM Radio Playhouse, Highlands Little Theater, mm-hmm. Highlands Opera Studio. So we all have long, long, well-connected pasts with the existing theater companies in the area. And I, I I think all of us owe a great deal to the people that have come before us. So we're kind of trying to build off of what is already existing and make sure that everybody is covered and being represented in the arts community in Halliburton. Okay. Now from 2017 to 20, I believe you were at George Brown Theater School. You attended George Brown Theater School. Um, how, how did that experience change you as an actor sort of or uh, George Brown was uh, good in that I got a lot more on stage experience. I was able to just be on stage full time as opposed to pre college. Like I took some time off between high school and college where I was working to to pay for college. So I would be in restaurants and in factories and that sort of thing, and then I could act on the side. Whereas George Brown, because it's a conservatory program you're in classes during the day and then at night you're in rehearsal just all the time. So just by the sheer number of hours that I was on stage, you learn skills fast and you just get more comfortable. I also got to do some understudying there, which was good. I would get like 24 hours notice that I was going to be playing a character and then I just go on and do it. So you'd learn, you, you don't have stage fright after that. Let's put it that way. You yeah. you can just go on stage and do whatever you need to do and you'll get it done. Uh, I was also quite ill through my time at George Brown. Uh, mm. I was chronically ill, so I learned to to push through and learned a lot of the, like I was talking about, the technical side of acting so that even when you're not physically well, when you're not feeling good, you can still go on and do your job appropriately because you've learned the technique of exactly what you need to do to do an appropriate performance for a paying audience to make sure that they get the same quality of performance that you give on your best day. You can just do it every time the way you need to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was kind of, kind of trying. Um, and you're cur- is it correct to say you're like currently still living in two spots, Halliburton and Toronto? Uh, I'm full-time in Halliburton. I'm okay. All right. I thought I saw some of you still doing that. Uh, um, and like you've been in so many like different traditional plays, maybe some of this is because of George Brown, but I think also some of it's local, like everything from Oliver Macbeth, Anna Green Gables, Alice in yeah. Wonderland. Um, I, I don't know. Is there any of these like, tra- we'll call them traditional plays that you've been in some of the musicals, of course, a lot of them. Uh, that you found like the most difficult to do? Uh, oddly enough, I did Greece like, oh, 
seven years ago. And mm. Greece is one of those funny places that everybody knows it. It's a little bit like doing Rocky Horror because yes. I would be up on stage. I was Frenchy. I was one of the pink ladies. And we had women in their 40s and 50s coming in in full pink lady cosplay. And they would know all of the lyrics, know everything. So you're like, if I miss a line, they know. They know exactly what I missed. Whereas when you're doing a brand new show, nobody knows the script but you. If you if you adjust something, whatever it is, it's it's yours and you own it. Nobody can tell. But something like Grease and Anna Green Gables in particular, because people are obsessed with those shows. <laughs> so when they come in, like they have such a specific idea of who Frenchie is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. That was a very heavy dance show. So I was doing a lot of stunting for it. I was up getting thrown around in the air. And yeah, it was, it was so it pushed me to the limits of my dance abilities, which was great fun. I love a really good dance challenge. That That's my original training because I was trained to be a ballet dancer when I was a kid. And right. so getting to do that level of dance was a wonderful challenge. Uh, and I love doing that. Yes, yeah, that's, I saw that. Yeah, you started out in dance. So that's, um, yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah. You, so you're saying Greece is more challenging than Shakespeare. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> For different reasons. Shakespeare, Shakespeare is plenty challenging as well. Yeah. I've yeah. done my share of that. Uh, but Shakespeare's kind of, uh, from a purely technical point, it's easy to memorize because mm-hmm. it's all I am pantometer. So when you know it really well, if you're, if you're losing a line or something, you can tell what it's supposed to be just based on the rhythm. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's fun. And I did Julius Caesar back in college. Like I, I was Caesar in Julius mm. Caesar. So I got some really fun fight bits in that. And again, I, I love anytime I get to do really intense stage combat is a lot of fun. So anything like that is fun but yeah Greece Greece just on a pure, purely physical point was probably the hardest show I've ever had to do mm-hmm. okay and you've also ventured into film too I see like in recent years so you did this uh uh clickbait uh that I, I believe I saw a bit of on uh YouTube or something along those lines um and it it brings to mind I guess uh just watch it just if I watching that, that uh, I guess I wonder what you feel like your own relation is with social media. Is it, uh, is it something that uh, is it kind of have um, the kind of something you're kind of comfortable with and like uh, something that's part of daily life or you find of uh, have a kind of like a love hate relationship with it or I don't, I, I'm not sure. Just anyway, that's just comes well, to mind. I work in social media, so yeah. that's, okay. that's a different aspect of it. One of my yeah. day jobs, I've worked in communications for a lot of years. I've done media relations. Like I worked for um, Adrian Clarkson, the former governor general. Yeah. I was in social media for her. So I see a lot of the behind the scenes of social media. I'm doing a lot of ad buying, things like that, and specifically targeting people. Uh, so I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, like search engine optimization and things like that. So I think I have a very good idea of how incredibly false and manufactured social media is. It's, it's, 
working in it is really a science as opposed to an art. You're, you're hitting specific buttons. So in my personal life, you know, I use social media, uh, all the time because it's also my job. And it's, it's one of those things where you have to be on it to understand the, the trends that are happening, especially with TikTok. It moves so fast and changes so fast. So if you're off of it for a bit, it's hard to then make videos and things for work that are going to perform properly because it changes like daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's my job. So I don't put a lot of stock in it personally because I know how completely false it, false it is. Uh, clickbait was funny because I was playing an influencer. Like I was playing a YouTuber, uh, which is hilarious because it's so deeply not me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it, I, I took it to be a bit of a dark comedy itself, uh, different yeah. than the one you're doing. But yes, yeah. yeah. yeah it's very different than the one we're doing. Uh, yeah. We kind of, we called it like Heathers for the TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're playing with social media popularity and some of the, one of the plot lines within Clickbait is that it's this group of YouTube influencers called the Stream Team and uh we get behind the scenes and like the relationships are set up with their management for their audience so that the audience will engage with, Oh yeah, we're going to ship these two characters together when really it's entirely made up. They aren't dating in real life at all. And that sort of thing does happen a lot that you're, you're putting things together just to get the audience to engage because that's what you want. You want more clicks. You want people to comment anything you can do to spark engagement, no matter how fake it is, how manufactured it is, that is the end goal of social media, whether it's on a, a personal scale or a large company scale. Mm-hmm. Right. And do you think it has a big, if we're thinking about like literally 18 to 40, um, do you feel like that's that has an influence on how like people in that age range would take in today's media, especially for things like TikTok and things like that. Yes, 100%. It changes how you create media. So, Mm -hmm. and how you advertise things like that. So for control art delete, we do most of our advertising through social media. We use traditional media as well. So uh, we've had newspapers help us out and radio, and that's been fantastic. But the biggest way of reaching people in that age group, how they consume their media is through Facebook, through um, Instagram, through TikTok. Um, and it changes the format of how you film things. So, for example, because TikTok's gotten so big, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube are all trying to be TikTok. So they've changed the sort of content they prioritize up their algorithms. So you have to do video content in real formats now, like R E E L reels. Yes. Yeah. Or the algorithm won't show it to people. So it changes how you want to phrase things. It changes the sort of content that you make to advertise because it has to be between seven and 24 seconds is what will perform best on TikTok and best on Instagram, which means it'll get shown to more people. And Instagram will push it up so that you can actually reach the people you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And if sort of also this kind of in the background of social media, but if control art deletes kind of goal, I see is like doing a play written no earlier than 2000. Do you yeah. sort of see sides that maybe not, uh, you know, 
maybe not three quarters of them being musicals besides that. Do you, uh, like see that have an effect on things written in the 21st century, say with length or the amount of like sort of dialogue or things like that? I like, I, yeah. I have no idea, but I'm just asking. Yeah. I think attention spans have gotten shorter. Um, mm-hmm. People are basically being conditioned to watch very short, very pithy clips very fast. Mm-hmm. So you do you need fast-paced shows. You need dialogue that is relevant to people today. Uh, I would say that social media absolutely does have, have an effect on the media we consume um, because we communicate differently. So if you're producing a, a Cherubs is a bit of an odd one in that it's a it's a fantasy setting so the characters in Cherubs are angels that have been around for literally millennia they don't care about cell phones so the social media just doesn't factor in this particular show because the the characters are literally divine beings they don't need a phone to to communicate with each other Mm -hmm. uh but if you're doing mean girls for example is, is uh a good good one for this uh the original mean girls movie came out 2004 which is just before social media so you don't see them using cell phones that kind of thing whereas the musical version that's on broadway or was on broadway is now touring uh incorporates social media into the plot line because it has changed the way bullying happens in high school it changes the way teenagers communicate because so much of life is lived in that online space and so much of um, social relationships play out on that stage that you need to incorporate it if you're going to talk about teenagers or young people in a contemporary space. It, it has to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for this uh, for this weekend show, uh, did you need sort of like uh, outside financial assistance to put this together or... We fundraised ourselves for this mm-hmm. one. Uh, so the group of us each put up a certain amount of, uh, of cash for this one. And, um, following this, we'll probably look into grants, like with the Arts Council, um, Ontario Arts Council, that sort of route for mm-hmm. this particular one. It's sort of our pilot production. So we, we funded it ourselves. Right. Right. And that's, uh, have you like sort of uh talked together as a group like of what kind of like uh a long range like uh plan is to uh keep it financially sustainable which is always like the big chan challenge but uh i guess i've seen from a bit of a peterborough perspective too there's one theater that's been around for about a decade or so that was kind of it used to be kind of like dependent a bit on municipal funding and for the first time ever the municipality for unknown reasons stop funding it so that's kind of yes 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 yeah so there are um significant grants available through the canada council for the arts the ontario arts council um especially for rural slash northern groups so we'll we'll likely go that route in future to kind of pad things out a bit but Mostly we see ourselves fundraising and we have merch available for sale and um, running workshops as well because they're fairly inexpensive to run. But, you know, you don't have to pay for rights to shows and things like that because you're doing improv or or you're you're basically just paying for uh, a community hall or something to run the program in. So that's how we're 
hoping to keep things balanced that way. But in a simplistic way for someone coming to the show, what is sort of like the main plot line or storyline that this is about? Okay, so Cherubs follows two fallen angels, Montmart and mm-hmm. Gottlieb. So they were kicked out of heaven back in the days of Noah's flood, and they've been on earth ever since. Uh, their punishment on earth is that they have to be guardian angels to various humans. Neither of them enjoy this, and they're not very good at their job, but they're they're stuck there. Uh, fa- flash forward to contemporary times, they're still here. They're in this terrible cottage in Kent, basically being miserable about their exile. And then enters a new manager who has an idea of how to blackmail their way back into heaven. So that's where the story really picks up is, is Montmartre, Gottlieb and their, um, their manager screw tape trying to, to weasel their way back into heaven in various, uh, poorly, poorly thought out ways. Mm. Okay. And how many people are in the cast of this? It's a four person cast. So mm. three angels and one human. Okay. Okay. And it's both on, I believe, tomorrow and Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, yes. So Friday night, 7.30. And Saturday, there's a matinee at 2 p.m. at the Northern Lights Pavilion in Halliburton. And you can get tickets on Eventbrite for $33.28. And then we're also selling at the door for $35 cash only. Okay. And I hope... Uh... Yes, I'll, I'll definitely make note of that, and I'll try and get this out, believe it or not, uh, at least at the latest by tomorrow anyway. You, oh, wow, you're amazing. You're yeah, fast. I'll try to anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, uh, for for Control Art Delete, how can the public find out more about that? We are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at controlartdelete.ca, and it's spelled like uh, the shortcuts on your computer. C-T-R-L-A-R-T-D-E-L dot C-A. Okay. And I notice on your own personal website uh, there, you have sort of like a video section yourself. It seems these different small clips of scenes. I don't know. What, what is that from, the, the, those ones? Oh, those are just old old reels, um, mostly from theater school. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. there is. It shows it shows a variance of uh, different characters, anyway. So yes. Yeah. yeah, there's some some reels from musical theater productions. There's some some of my stage combat reels, um, a few short short film reel bits. Those those are mostly for auditions and things like that. Usually, when you're going in for a short film audition, they'll ask to see your reel. So that's what I direct them to. Hmm. And oh, sorry, I can't resist asking asking this too. So you've you've started out in dance. You've been like in theater for pretty much a decade and a half. I think it's pretty much to say because you started when you were like seven or so. Is that correct? Like at least yeah. I'm, I started out on stage when I was six, and six. I am 20. okay. Wow. All right. So I'm only thirty now. So okay. I'm, so yeah, we're trying. Okay, getting closer to a quarter yeah. century then. All right. Wow. Yeah. All right. So um. So, like, where, like, what sort of, uh, dare I say, genre of theater do you find, like, is most natural for you? Like, uh, something like what you were saying about Greece, because it has elements of dance to it, or 
Is it, uh, honestly, I love musical theater. Um, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy doing it, but if I had to pick between straight theater and musical theater, I do straight theater. Um, Mm. I, I love a good contemporary comedy. I love a good dark comedy. Uh, if I could do musical theater forever, honestly, I'd probably pick something like Sweeney Todd. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I came up on, on Tim Burton movies and Alfred Hitchcock and Adam's family and that. So that's actually my love. I'm a little bit too, too dark to hang with the, all of the musical theater kids. I've done, you know, my bye bye birdies and my grease and, and all Mm -hmm. that, but I I hang out more with the, (laughs) with the dark contemporary stuff. Right. Yeah, no, I, I kind of see, like, obviously haven't seen it, but uh, I kind of see how the way you're describing this weekend show as being something that kind of fits you kind of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's definitely comedy, but dark comedy. There's, mm-hmm. if you like Tim Burton, if you like um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, a little bit Pulp Fiction sort of feel, you'll enjoy the show. If you're into It's a Wonderful Life, it's not so much for you. Right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for that. I generally am uh, just doing inside Peterborough, but uh, I think it's important sometimes to include the area around us. So and I really, like I said, I think this is both great that you're doing this show and also control art delete in itself. It's a great thing. Great innovation. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, good luck. Good luck this weekend. And I'll uh, try it. Yeah, I'll try my best to get this out at least by the time you have you're doing tomorrow's show anyway amazing thank you so much it was great to meet you okay great to meet you too all right thank you thank you take care yep Thanks very much to Amy Lease, and I hope all of you get a chance to see Cherubs this weekend at Hal Burton's Northern Lights Performing Arts Pavilion. Apologize about my cough, but it's part of that interview, not nice to listen to. Anyway, it's on at March 31st and April 1st, 2023. March 31st, the evening shows at 7.30. Uh, April 1st, it's a 2 p.m. matinee. You know, in general... We are in dire straits in the art world these days. Not just Peterborough, but not just theater, but everywhere. And I kind of want to pursue that topic in the upcoming episodes. I mean, my whole point of Corner of George is celebrating the arts of Peterborough and Nogoji went on. But they face a lot of challenges these days. So, anyway, look for that in the future, I hope. See you next time at Corner of Hunter and George.
And everything that you do makes me wanna die. Oh, I just told the biggest lie. Just told the biggest lie. The biggest lie.